so we're starting a new series uh, this week, just, just a couple week long series that we're, we're calling Hope and Glory. I'll get into that in just a little bit. Before I do that, though, I want to take a little bit of time. This time of year, uh, every year, we usually give kind of just a little bit of a progress report on where we are as a church and kind of how God's been blessing and, and that sort of thing. And so I want to show you a few stats. Now, before I, we put the stats up there, good, before we put the stats up there, um, what I want to say is, you know, we're not a church that's just all about bigger numbers, bigger numbers, bigger numbers. That's not what this is about. We track things. We track any number that we can possibly track because it helps us uh, plan ministry better. It helps us be more strategic in the way that we do ministry. You know, if we don't keep a, keep track of how many people are showing up on a Sunday, then we don't know how many services we need or how big a rooms we need or, you know, whatever like that. So we like, we, we track that for uh, strategic purposes, but there's some of the measures that we track that uh, give us an idea of, of, of just, just how the church is growing, uh, not just by numbers, but how they're growing spiritually and stuff like that. And I want to tell you, the, I'm going to throw up the, the main two numbers that every church tracks. It's attendance and giving, attendance and giving. And the reason we track these two numbers is because it's one of the only things that we can track by number. Uh, and so it's hard to measure, uh, you know, uh, how much we grew in our engagement of the Bible or things like that. You know, that's, that's a little bit, I can't get into your, your personal devotion time and measure that. And so, uh, but those are two figures. Now, what I want to tell you before I put those numbers up though, is that, uh, this year we're making a commitment, uh, to, to measure some things that we think will, uh, give us a, a clear picture of, spiritual growth in our church, uh, people stepping up in their faith. And so, uh, attendance normally, like I said, attendance and giving that's, that's, those are the natural numbers to measure because they're numbers, right? Uh, we're going to drop attendance down to a less emphasized number this year. And, and what we want to emphasize is, uh, are we growing in our groups? Are you engaging with each other in community in meaningful community? Like, can I just tell you, that, that we're glad you're here and we're, we hope you're here every single Sunday. But there's only so much community that can happen when you stare at the back of somebody's head, right? And so, uh, and, and the front of one face. And so we want to, we want to see you engaging with one of us. So we're going to start measuring our, our group participation. We're going to start measuring more closely our uh, service participation in terms of are you serving in different areas and not just here on Sunday morning, but throughout the week in the community, in other ministries that take place uh, during the week and that sort of thing. And so uh, we're going to try to measure those things a little bit more closely uh, this year. And that's where our priority is going to be. I think, and let me just tell you the reason why. The reason why we're kind of shifting that emphasis is God has blessed us. As you're getting ready to see, God has blessed us in terms of attendance. You wouldn't know it this morning because everybody likes to stay dry. But God has blessed us in terms of attendance. And uh, we've seen a lot of growth this year. And we want to make sure that we steward well the growth that God has blessed us with. In other words, it's not good enough just that we got you through the door. Now we want to partner with you, help you, make sure that you're actually now growing closer to God in your daily walk with him. Uh, that's our job as, as spiritual leaders in the church. And, uh, and so if we don't do that, then we're not doing our, jo- our job well. And the other thing is if we don't do that well, then what we see is we'll stall out around this attendance uh, level right here uh, because it, it your engagement will not be enough to kind of keep you plugged in. You'll eventually kind of flitter away. And, uh, and we don't want that to happen either. We care too much about you. So we'll, you'll see some different emphasis in, in what we track. But let me give you a rundown of, of how, we, how we look this year because it's fantastic. Go ahead and put that up there. All right, so attendance, we grew by 31% this year, 31%. That is huge. Like, if you can see over the last, uh, what is it, nine years there, 
where our attendance figures have been just, we're a growing church. We've always been a growing church, but it's been very kind of marginal, just a little bit of growth, a little bit of growth, a little bit of growth, kind of plugging along, but growing, which we've always praised God for. And it's just really encouraging to see uh, a bigger number up there this year. Really, really, really encouraging. But also, uh, we feel the weight of that number too, because like I just said, we want to make sure we're stewarding what, how God is blessing well. And so 31% growth, that's, that's good. We saw about 11% increase in our giving this year, which is fantastic as well too. And uh, just couldn't be uh, more excited about that. Actually, we could be more excited about that because the number one thing we're excited about is the, is the next slide. And it's this one. Go ahead and put that with her. 27 baptisms this year. 27 people, 27 living hopers declared their belief that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, their Lord and their Savior. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we do what we do. 27, that's like uh, a little over 10% of our average attendance week to week uh, stepped up and were baptized this year. That's amazing. Uh, really, really uh, a big blessing. It's, in fact, um, if, you're, if you're one of those people who were baptized this year, put your hand in the air. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. Fantastic. The rest of them were like, I got wet once this year. I'm not doing it again. All right. So, so that's fantastic. So anyway, that's just a little snapshot. Again, it's not all about the numbers, but it just, here's, here's what I want you to get and what I want you to feel thankful for is that we are blessed uh, for whatever reason, for whatever reason God has chosen to bless us. Uh, we're blessed uh, to be a part of a growing church. And that is huge because I can tell you the majority of churches in this nation are not growing churches. I've been a part of churches that were not growing churches and the atmosphere is different. The uh, spirit there is, is different. There's a heaviness, there's a weight, there's a longing. There's a, there's a crying out to God, where have all the young people gone? There's, there's you know, that sort of thing. And, and, and the fact that, that we've been able to grow, uh, and, and I would say, yes, it's God blessing, but I would also say it's due in very large part to the way many of you have, as leaders have stepped up and led well. And so thank you. Thank you for leading the way that you lead and, uh, and creating an environment here where people far from God can come close to God uh, either for the first time or come close to God again. Uh, so that's amazing. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So let's dive into our series this morning, uh, Hope and Glory. And so I, I don't know, uh, well, just off the top of your head, uh, what's our, anybody shout it out, what's our mission statement as a church? Glory to God, hope to people. Awesome, awesome. You get, I don't know, take a percentage off your tithes this week. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, so glory to God. No, no, it's, it's a one-time offer. One-time offer, Bobby. All right. <laughs> so glory to God, hope to people. And that's what we're all about. That, that's our mission statement. Glory to God, hope to people. Uh, you know, when, when, we, when I first got here, we we kind of came up with a, a mission statement that was a lot longer than that, but it basically said the same thing. And over the years, we've whittled it down to six words, which, which I like because it's, 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 it's sticky. It's easy to remember. Glory to God, hope to people. I can keep that one in my head and remember it. That's what we as a church are about. That, that, those two sentences keep us focused. Those two sentences help us know what to say yes to and what to say no to as we're planning ministry and we're doing ministry. You're coming to us with ideas and things like that. Uh, it doesn't meet that criteria. If we do this thing, is it bringing glory to God? Is it offering hope to people who need hope? Uh, this, it keeps us on track. Now here, here's the thing about glory to God, hope to people that pretty much every church has the same mission. 
We're not unique in that. They may say it differently than we say it. They may say love God, love others, or, or whatever, um, you, know, you know, however they, they, they choose to say it. Uh, but pretty much every church has that same mission in mind. Glory to God, hope to people. And we want to make sure that as we l- try to live out that mission statement here in the, in the context of our church, that it's not just some sort of trite statement that we put on papers and we put up on the screen and we put on signs around here and there or whatever, that it has some meaning to it, right? Uh, there's nothing worse than mission statements that are just out there and there's no connection from the the organization to their mission statement. It's just something that's there and everybody kind of knows, or maybe they don't really know or whatever else. I remember when I was a, a college student, I uh, was a part of a, a, a promotional group for our college to help, uh, you know, raise awareness for the school for fundraising and for uh, recruitment, you know, the new students and things like that. And I remember going to, it was kind of like a trade show environment that we were at. And I was walking uh, through this uh, exhibit hall with the president of uh, the school that Jamie and I went to. And we're kind of taking in, you know, seeing what everybody's got at their booths and such. And we passed a school that had a big booth set up uh, and did a really great job with, with their, their space. Uh, but it was kind of our number one rival school, right? And, and, they, and they had on all of their stuff, it was like whatever, I'm not going to say the name, but whatever, you know, so-and-so college, it was like a new spirit. That was their whole thing that year, a new spirit. And I remember as we walked past it, the president of the college, whose name I won't say either, uh, but he, as, we, we, as we walked past that, that he, he kind of whispers over, he's like, new spirit, same old crap, <laughs> that sort of thing. And, and so this is what we don't want as a church. We don't want some, you know, to come up with some, phrase that ultimately has no meaning to us, that there's, there's a disconnect between us and that statement. We want to be a people, if we're going to say our mission is glory to God, hope to people, then what does that look like for us to actually live out those words? What does it look like for us to be a church where when people think of Living Hope Church, they go, that's a church that's about glory to God and hope to people. How do we, how do we engage in that way? How do we do that? And so that's what we're going to talk about for the next two weeks. So for this first week, we're going to talk about that first sentence, glory to God, glory to God. And I want us to look at uh, a a few verses that uh, give us our, um, our motivation, our theological uh, reason that we say we are about bringing glory to God. And one of the the first verses that came to mind as I was thinking through this is uh, all the way back in the book of Exodus chapter 20 from the 10 commandments. It's it's the first two commandments of the 10 commandments. Who here, uh, if you grew up in church, had to memorize 10 commandments when you were a kid? Anybody? Anybody? Like four of you? Okay, good. So, so yeah, yeah. Um, now, the, the, some of us had to, had to do that, and, and uh, you know, maybe you still remember those, and maybe you don't, and, and you improvise, and, and uh, that's fine. But the first two verses, hopefully you remember the, these verses. And if you don't, if, like if you're new to church and you have no, when I say Ten Commandments, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, when, when we talk about the Ten Commandments, this is God establishing a relationship with the people of Israel who were at that time his chosen people, the people that he, the nation that he chose to reveal his glory to the world through, right? And, uh, and he establishes that covenant relationship with them with the giving of the law and basically says, you're my people and I'm your God. And uh, as my people, if you're going li- to live like the people of Yahweh God, if you're going to live like the people of God, uh, this is what it's going to look like. This is what's going to set you apart as people who follow after other gods. This is, this is how you'll be different. And he, and he gives them the law, and the, which is kind of highlighted, uh, summed up by these Ten Commandments. And the first two, and these commandments have to do, without, do with two things. They have to do with 
our relationship with God and then our relationships with each other. How do we live out as, as a follower of God? How do I, what's my relationship with that God look like? And then what's my relationship with all of you look like? And it kind of lays it out. I'm not going to read all 10 commandments, but the first two say this. Exodus 20, starting with verse 3, says this. First commandment is this. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. One God. That's one of the things that, at that especially at that time in history, really set the people of Israel apart from every other nation. That almost every other nation had relationships with with multiple gods, multiple gods. You know, today, if you look at, say, uh, the, the Hindu faith, where there's like thousands of deities that they worship for different things and that, that sort of thing, that might be com- comparable to what, you know, most of the other nations were dealing with back at this time in history. But one God, you shall have no other gods before me. And then the second commandment is this, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. All right, so he's like no carved images. Now, if you like to whittle in your spare time and you're like, okay, do I have to give up my whittling? Uh, no, that's not what this is about. In fact, he, you know, he even says there, um, he says, uh, da, 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 no carved image, nothing, uh, no likeness of anything that's in heaven or that's on the earth or that's under the water. So I like, can't, I can't carve a fish. What's up with that? Uh, you know, so, so the whole idea there is, again, the surrounding nations, uh, that area of the world and that point in history, they worshiped everything. They, they had gods, idols that they had built up that were different animals and different sea creatures and different things like that. Their idea of what a God might look like. And it was all about directing their worship to these things that they had carved and made with their own hands. In fact, if you fast forward in the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah, uh, he spends a good amount of time in his prophecy making fun of this. He's like, you guys take a, take a log of wood and you cut it in half. And with half of that log, you uh, make a, uh, a God and you bow down to it and you worship it. And you're like, oh, you are God and everything else. And then with the other half of that wood, you burn it and you, and you make your beans on it. And he's like, that doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Right? And so, so it's, again, it's that whole idea that, that we don't make things that we direct our worship to. Now, in today's world, there's maybe not a lot of us uh, making little gods, although, you know, uh, welcome to Northern California, Northern California, there is some of that. Um, and so there's not, with most of us, and maybe most of the people that you know, there, there's not a lot of worshiping of idols, worshiping of images, carved images, painted images, whatever else. Um, but we definitely worship things that we've made with our own hands. We definitely uh, worship things that that we uh, want to pursue, want to buy, want to whatever. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, phone worship going on. There's a lot of technology worship that goes on. There's a lot of uh, money worship and career and power worship that goes on. There's a lot of that stuff that, that takes place. Now, you might not call it worship. You might call it priorities uh, or, or whatever, or just your drive or, or your interests or, or whatever that looks like. But if that thing... Uh, takes up more time and space in your life than does God, 
then, then you, you need to have a serious conversation with yourself and with God about that and, uh, and, and do some rearranging in your life. Now, there's a phrase in that passage that we just read where it says, he says, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. And so what's it mean when God says I'm a jealous God? Because I don't know if you're like me, your, you know, your mama taught you that, you know, being jealous was not necessarily a good thing, right? And uh, don't be so jealous and, and, you know, learn to be happy for other people or, you know, whatever. It's kind of the way most of us were raised. And when it says God is a jealous God, when God says I'm a jealous God, it's not that he is jealous of us. God is jealous for us. He's jealous for us, which is much different. The difference is between, um, for instance, if, if, a, if a husband realizes another man has designs on his wife, he's not jealous of her, he's jealous for her. It's a, it's a righteous jealousy. It's, it's, it's him going, no, no, that's my love. You're stepping in on my vows. That's my area of where I've been called to love this person. I will do whatever it takes to protect this relationship. And it's, this is God looking at his children, the people that he has loved and he has created and he has poured out his blessings on and tried to establish a covenant relationship with and going when other gods, whether other so-called gods and other so-called religions try to creep in on this relationship that we have, you can guarantee I'm going to express some jealousy about that. Why? Because I love you. Because I've blessed you. I've called you out to be separate and different. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different. It's a righteous kind of jealousy. It's, it's a beautiful, actually, kind of jealousy. It's the kind of jealousy that if you're in a uh, loving relationship with another per, per person, you actually want that kind of jealousy. You don't want the unhealthy, controlling, whatever, you know, ugly, uh, selfish kind of jealousy. But you want a, a jealousy in your life that goes, no, you are valuable to me. And I'm not going to pretend like you're not. I'm not going to pretend like you're not. That's God's jealousy uh, for us, not of us. Now, why is it such a big deal for us to not worship uh, carved images? Maybe not say prayers to carved images and things like that or paintings or, or whatever. Why is that such a big deal to God? Like, like, okay, you know, detach everything that you've been trained and thought for, of your whole life and just think about the idea of having a little statue and and saying prayers to this statue, either what, what you know, whatever, whatever your relationship with that is, like, why is that such a big deal to God? Why is it such a big deal? I, I want to explore that, and I think the reason why that is such a big deal, and 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 the reason this is relevant is because we're going back to the idea of why does God demand that glory come to Him? That's the real question here. When we're talking about glory to God, why does God say? I'm the one that's worthy of glory. You know, give all the glory to me. Why is that so important to him? I think that the reason that we don't make images and worship them and that sort of thing is it goes all the way back to the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter one. There, starting with verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So all of us, male and female, we're all created in the image of God. We bear the image of God to the world around us. The, 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 the idea is that when the world sees us, there should be some reflection of God there that they see in us. So why is it that 
we're called not to make images of worship? And the answer is this. We don't make images as followers of God, the one and only true God. We don't make images. We are images of God. We are images of God. Now, that doesn't mean we start worshiping each other, right? That's not the point. But we don't make up. God, this is the truth. God gave us images that would direct our attention to him when he gave us each other. We are the images of God. And the big point I want to draw out there is this. Idolatry not only devalues God, it devalues us. Idolatry doesn't just devalue God and say, I don't have to fix my attention on the creator of the universe. I can fix my attention on this little thing, this object, the statue, maybe big thing, whatever. It doesn't just devalue the importance of God. It's also us devaluing the importance of each other. Do you need an object in your life to help you feel a connection with God? God has surrounded you with them. He's surrounded you with them. When we show love for each other, we show love for God. Now, this is why that whole philosophy is, of, uh, you know, my relationship with God is very personal. Like I just have this thing, just me and him. This is why it doesn't fly because God didn't make the universe that way. In fact, if you are living in a healthy relationship with God, the overflow of that will be a healthy relationship with each other. That there'll be something about when, why is this meeting every week so critical in our lives? Why is it critical in our lives to be plugged into a group and kind of doing community with a smaller group of people that we can get to know better. Why is that so important? Because when we're around each other, we're around God. When, we, when we're around each other, we get to see God more clearly. That yeah, There's a, a um, is it, uh, I think, the, uh, the Orthodox faith, like Greek Orthodox, um, Russian Orthodox. They have one of the uh, parts of their worship is they have these icons. Anybody know what icon is? An icon, are, a lot of times you'll find them, they're, they're actually collectible, people collect them, you can find them on eBay and stuff. Uh, but they're usually uh, made out of these little wooden boards, little wooden squares, and painted on these little wooden objects uh, are images of, uh, you know, biblical figures, images of people they view as saints, whatever. And these little icons is what they call them, and they use them as a tool in their prayer life. People that are very devout uh, Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, a lot of times their, their, their homes are full of these, these icons hanging on walls, set on tables, and things like that. And it's, it's this kind of reminder of prayer uh, and, and reminder of connection for them uh, to God. Uh, now, there's some, you know, I'm not going to go into whether or not they're actually worshiping those icons or whatever. I, I think they would say, no, it just helps us connect. It's not, a, it's not a, an item of worship or an object of worship. But this is the thing, we don't ultimately need those kind of things in our life. We are worship icons. You want to feel close to God? You want to, you want to see God more clearly? Then get close to his people. Get close to his people. Again, I'm not saying we worship each other. I'm saying in the same way that I can connect with God and feel a, a closer sense to God when I get out in nature and that sort of thing, that same experience we should be having with each other. That there's something about closeness to each other that should result in closeness to God. Closeness to God. Idolatry doesn't just devalue God, it devalues us. Why would you need to direct your worship towards some carved image when, when we're right here? You want to see God more clearly? Let's hang out.
Let me encourage you on towards God. Let me live my life in such a way. Who here has, has, has ever had an experience where you were just living life? You didn't know you were teaching anybody anything or doing anything. And, all, you know, somebody sends you an email or a text or a phone call or whatever, makes some sort of comment to you, you know, and says, you know, the other day I was around you and you did this thing. And they explain what it is you did and you didn't even think about it at the time. And they're like, it just made me think this about the Lord. And it made me think, you know, this is what I'm lacking in that, whatever. We've all probably experienced times in our lives when that's happened. We're like, wow, I, I was just living my life. You were being an image bearer is what you were doing. You were bearing the image of God to a, a world that desperately wants to see the image of God. So we live as image bearers. Psalm 115 puts it this way in the first three verses. What, you know, what is actual glory to God? Like, what does it mean to give glory to God? Psalm 115 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. In other words, why am I going to give you glory? Because your love is never ending and your faithfulness is never ending. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he's all that he pleases. In other words, he's in complete control. And then you skip down to the end of that chapter, verse 14. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. <coughs> Pardon me. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we, all of us that are still living, we, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Why do we continue to praise God? Because God is good all the time. Why do we continue to praise God? Because it's he that gives us the increase. You may think you can work your full head off and, and, and try to control your life and, and create you know, your own success and that, that sort of thing. But ultimately, it's God who gives us the increase. And if he does it through your work, then still praise be to God. He's in control of the increase. His, the blessings that you receive come from him who made the heaven and earth. And so because of that reason, we will... Indeed, bless the Lord. So glory to God means, glory to God means we cease to point the world to ourselves. That's what glory to God means. We know, and we because here's, I don't know if you've noticed the uh, uh, society that we live in, but it is all about pointing the glory to number one. Right? It's all about, I got to get my 15 minutes of fame. I got to get my time in the spotlight. I want, people just want to be famous just for being famous, right? Nobody wants to be famous by accomplishing anything. They just want to be famous just because. If I could get a million hits on my YouTube video, then I would, I would have some sort of fulfillment in my life. If I could get more followers on Facebook than anybody else I know, then that would give me some sort of fulfillment in life. You know, you know what, what? It's all about drawing all the attention to me. That's, this is where I want to, like, I love, you guys know, I love social media, but I want one area I want to encourage you to be careful about social media is that so much of social media is about just that draw all the attention to me. If I can't tell everybody it happened, then it doesn't really happen. Does it? And so give me all like, I can't, I, they have to know everything. Like I had a pork chop for lunch. Look at me, look at me, look at me, right? Like look, there was a, there was a, a hurricane 
killed a bunch of people. Look at me. I'm really sad about that. I mean, it, it, is, it is all about all of this. Drawing attention to me, 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 me. And I want to say, be careful there. What if you used social media instead of to promote yourself, use it to promote the Lord? What if you use it to draw glory towards him instead of towards yourself? So how do we actually live out that phrase, glory to God? Like practically speaking, what does that look like in our lives? First Peter chapter 4, Peter, Peter writes these words in uh, start with verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. I'm going to stop right there and just, just kind of hang on those words for just a second. Like everybody in this room has something that you're decent at. Some of you have something that you're amazing at, right? Some, some, some of you have, have gifts that just set you apart, uh, abilities that set you apart from other people. Like, like I've got a... <laughs> I'm like Liam Neeson. I've got a very specific set of skills, you know, and I'm coming after you. Uh, you know, I've got a very specific set of skills and, and, uh, and I try to be the best I can be with those skills and that sort of thing. But there's some things that, that hands down, I, I just can't do. And some of you, some of you are so much better in doing those things than I, I painted that door right there. The one closest to, to the exit, I painted that door and was told, don't ever touch a paintbrush in this building again, right? That, like, I've got this very, now, maybe that was strategic. No, I'm teasing. And so, no, I've got a specific set of skills and some things I'm just, I'm just not great at. But, but you know, I try to, try to be great at the things I'm, I'm at least good at, right? And so we all have those things in our life that, that you kind of excel a little bit at, or maybe they're more comfortable, or you got extra knowledge about that maybe other people don't have or, or extra interest in. What if instead of using those things to draw attention to yourself, you began to use those things that are the best about you, that set you apart from the average person? What if you began to use those things just for God? Like, like just, like even if, even if it has to do with your career, like maybe that thing that you're really good at is very directly tied to your career. So how can I use my career to bring as much glory to God as I possibly can? How can I use this gift, this ability that I have to bring as much glory to God as I possibly can? How can I use this education, this knowledge that I have that maybe not everybody has to bring as much glory to God and for the sake and benefit of other people that I possibly can? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles to God. I love this. All right. In other words, who here has the gift of gab, the gift of talking? Anybody? Yeah. Who here, the person next to you has the gift of gab and they did not raise their hand. Uh, okay, there you go. All right. So there you go. So uh, as one who speaks, <laughs> I just created a bunch of divorces today. So <laughs> good times. Um, so as one who speaks, I love this, as one who speaks oracles of God. If we truly are the images of God, the image bearers of God, if we truly are, like if, pe- if the whole, God's whole purpose in creating us was that so people would look at us and see some glimpse of him, get this in your head, this, this applies to everybody in the room, then everything you say 
has the potential to be prophecy. If you are God's image bearer to the world around you, then every word you say has the potential to be prophecy. Does that add some weight to your words? Add some weight to your words? Yeah, absolutely. Like people through you, because you're his image bearer, will hear the voice of God from time to time. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. Don't th- if you're if you're like now I, I've been the I've always been the guy that my speech got me has got me in a lot of trouble and still continues to do the same. Um, and when I think of the fact that what if I was using my speech to be a mouthpiece of God instead of the mouthpiece of sarcasm. <laughs> Like that adds a lot of weight to what I say. And we all have, I'm not saying, you know, give up your sarcastic ways or anything like that. We all have our different personalities and God works through our personalities. And, and it's not that we can't have fun with our speech and joke around. That's not what I'm saying either. Joke around all you want to do. But just know that when we speak to words, when we speak words to people, those words carry weight and they have the potential to be prophetic, to be the voice of God to someone else. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In other words, Peter's saying everything that you do, in the words that you speak, in the gifts and abilities and the things that set you apart that you have and that you use, in the way that you serve at work, in your home, in your church, in your community, do it all to the glory of God. We need to be people who, glory to God means we no longer are people who have these uh, very segmented lives, like this is my community time and this is my God time and this is my family time. Instead, everything we do centers on God. God is the center and everything else are spokes in that wheel. And so when I go to work, I'm working to show people what it looks like when Jesus shows up to work. When I go to school, I'm learning and I'm relating to my friends in a way that it, to show people what it looks like when Jesus shows up to school. When I do family, when I come home at the end of the day, I show up and I come home to show my kids and show my wife, show my husband what it looks like when God comes home. Everything we do centers on him. Then Peter ends it with this. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Who here, I won't won't make you confess, but who here knows someone? Who here knows someone that seems like every time something bad happens to them, they're like, why me? Anybody know anybody like that? Yeah, really? Just three people, right? We all know somebody, and I'll tell you their names if, if you don't believe me. So... <clears throat> we all know someone like that, right? We all know someone that's just like, ah, oh, it's all this, you know, it's just all this grief. Ah, oh, I'm going through such a hard time. It's all me, 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 me. Why me? And he's like, when hard times come, don't sit around going, what? Like, really? That happened to me? I'm serving God. Why, why would anything bad ever happen to me? Like, I go to church. I put money in the, in the basket. I, you know, whatever. I, I try to serve in the community. Why? Why, God? Why? Why would you allow these bad things to happen to me? 
Like, don't be surprised. But instead, this is what he says, but rejoice. Instead of being surprised and complaining, what if instead you rejoice? Rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. What if the why, to your cries for why, what if the why is so people can see God? Now, here, here's a little, like, if that tends to be you, like you're that person who, you, you know, when bad things happen in your life, it just kind of derails your faith. You get doubtful. You get questioning. You get whatever. What if in those circumstances that are less than ideal for you, what if God is positioning you very specifically to have an opportunity to bring glory to God and show glory to God? And what if you squander that opportunity by going glory to me, glory to me, glory to me? Why me, why me, why me? Like, I don't know about you. I can, I can tell you guys, you know, when I pray, as often as I pray, every single day, one of the things I pray for every single time is, Lord, help me suffer well. Every single prayer, help me suffer well. Because this is what I know. I, I, I've told you guys before, I live a blessed life. Most of us in this room, could, you could probably say the same thing. I live a blessed life. My life has been relatively free from tragedy, but I know that shoe will drop for me eventually. I know it's coming. It comes for all of us. It's just part of life. Eventually, something's going to happen that's going to be that punch in the gut that takes the wind out of me and goes and makes me want to cry out to God, why? And when that time comes, I pray every single day, God, help me to suffer well. Help me to suffer to the glory of you, to your glory. Help me to suffer well. As image bearers, not only all we say is potential prophecy, but every situation for suffering that comes up in our lives is the potential to bring glory to God, to bring glory to God. So let's be that people. What does it look like to be a living hoper that's living out the phrase glory to God? It means your life is no longer about you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Like, now here, here's what I can say. I, I, I'm on the... I'm on, our, I'm on our stage. I'm the one with the microphone. And I'll confess to you that there are days I do a decent job at this. And there are days I'm horrible at it. There are days that it is all about Jeff. Right? Ask my wife. There are days that it's all about Jeff. And so I just want to pray continually, God, work out that stuff in me. I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but we have a goal to aim for, and his name is Jesus Christ. Let's give him as much glory as we possibly can. And let's ask, actually give the Holy Spirit permission. Like, Holy Spirit, would you just mess me up a little bit when I get out of line and start making my life about me? Like, give him permission to do that. God, would you just, like, rake me over the coals a little bit? Like, not too rough, but, but enough to get my attention, right? Smack me up the backside of the head, whatever it takes. Would you get my attention, and make me realize that I'm making this about me instead of about you. It means for living hopers, we live our lives like that. It's all about glory to God. So when we look at figures like we just looked at and, and, and we've seen growth in our church, glory to God. It's him. 
God gives the increase, right? God gives the increase. When we get the promotion that we work so hard for that we think we've earned or whatever, glory to God. When we get passed up for that same promotion, glory to God. He's in control. And so what if when bad things happen to you at work, instead of your coworkers constantly seeing you ticked off and disappointed, what if they just saw you smile and go, ah, God will give it to me when he's ready for me to have it. I'll just keep working to his glory. Like, what if we li- our, our, our priorities changed in that kind of way? Let's be the church where it's not just new spirit, same old crap, but rather it is us living out as if we believe that the purpose of our life is to bring glory to God. Amen? Amen. Let's be that. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that, God, we don't have to... Um, be hesitant about giving you glory, that you truly and evidently are a God who is genuinely worthy of the glory, any glory that we have to offer, any blessing that we have to offer, any praise that we have to offer. You are genuinely worthy of it. And it's a no-brainer for us to give it to you. Thank you for being that kind of God. Thank you for loving us and for not just sending down a set of uh, you know, laws and dictating how we should behave and not giving us any motivation for offering that up. Instead, you gave us motivation. You loved us more than anyone's ever loved us before. You gave your only son for us. You paved the way for us as unholy people to be in relationship with you, a holy, perfect God. Actually, you made it pretty easy for us anyway. So thank you. Thank you so much. So we give you glory this morning. We offer praise to you in whatever situation that we currently find ourselves in, whether things are going well and we feel blessed, praise be to you, glory to you. God, if we're going through hard times right now, if we're disappointed, if we're angry, if we found ourselves thinking bitter thoughts, if we're confused, if we're doubtful, if our faith feels small right now, God, we step out on faith and we still say glory to you. Glory to you. I'm going to praise your name, whether I'm on the mountaintop or whether I'm down in the valley, I will praise you. So we do that this this morning, God. Praise you. Praise the Lord. We pray all this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen.